Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buckle up for an unfiltered dose of comedy. Full disclosure, I've had a lot of sex, but honestly, having sex with me is like buying a Prius. It's much quieter than you'd expect. Epics presents Unprotected Sets. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Street. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas, two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. There are two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. It's Scott Lips. I've taken a break for a couple weeks. I'm back now. I'm actually coming to you live from New York City. My hometown, live from the Sonos studio, which is pretty cool. This room is incredible, actually. Um, Really great room, great product, which I love. I'm obsessed with Sonos. Have been for many years, have all their speakers. So super psyched to come to you live from the Sonos studio. The show, as you know, is always available on iTunes and Spotify. So download it, rate it, and review it. It's super helpful to us, as you know. Super excited on the show today. One of the most premier rock and roll photographers of all time, Mr. Mick Rock, or better known as Michael David Rock. Mick is one of the premier rock and roll photographers of our generation, and he was definitely instrumental in helping formulate the incredible imagery of legendary rock bands like Queen, and uh, obviously iconic singers like David Bowie, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, Blondie, many, many more. Um, And I can tell you my entire apartment in New York for the last 10 years was covered with iconic imagery of Ziggy Stardust, 
and Iggy Pop of, of uh, pictures that Mick took. So some of my favorite pictures of all time, rock and roll photos, um, like David Bowie and um, Mick Ronson on a train eating peas. So we're going to get the story behind that photo, one of my favorites ever. Um, so yeah, excited to have him here. He's a friend. I've known him for a long, long time. One of the masters of rock and roll photography. Uh, and it's psyched to have him here, Mr. Mick Rock, coming up in just one moment. This is Lips L.A. Vic, I actually gave you an incredible introduction, and for those That's of you... That's not what I heard. Well, it, trust I, me. It was a, this young lady here said it was a right downer, it, it was, but, it, but it was truthful. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was great. The truth is, you and I have been friends for many, many, many years. Since uh, you were... Yes, since you were since shorter a, than me, <laughs> since as I was you a, still are. <laughs> since I was a, a wee toddler. And, and you know, I've, I, you're an inspiration to me. My, I was actually just saying before you got here that... My entire apartment in New York were pictures that you took. Uh, the Ziggy Stardust train picture, which we're going to hear the story behind that. Oh, One yes. of my favorite pictures ever. And for those of you who don't know, Mick is all, all, sometimes referred to as the man who shot the 70s, but he's also done quite a lot more. The 80s and 90s now. Kate Moss, DeFarrell. Gucci. Many, many, Gucci. Gucci. We'll talk about that, too. Director. Gucci, yes. Uh, the Gucci campaign, which is pretty awesome, too. But, you know, Mick, I think... Um, because people that don't know your entire story, you actually had a documentary that came out not long ago in 2016. But I think your journey is super interesting, and it, you're, it's not ended. It, it's it not ended. End <laughs> right. I'm not talking about the. I'm not talking about the end of your journey. I'm talking about the fact how you started in Cambridge University. There might have been some hallucinogenics there. Or there may not have been. And where we are today, to all the way out to the fact that you just shot Gucci. So, you know, I, I think obviously you, you you were so close to some of those artists that have had recent biopics like Queen and Freddie Mercury. And I don't. Did you ever shoot Elton John? No, no. It's, but, I seem to have shot the dead ones. The dead ones. Okay. Yes, like well, David and Lou and Freddie and know. Motley Crue and Pharrell yeah, well, and Blondie and a lot of the other ones. Still right? Not just about alive. Yeah, if the, Mick Mars is still working. <laughs> he he is. It's incredible, but he is. But um, but you know, take us back because I always on this show the ideas and we've had so many great guests on and and you're one of my favorite guests we're having on now is is really how you started you know how you become an inspiration to kids that want to get into photography and how your illustrious career has started from creating all those amazing iconic imagery you know from bowie to yiggy pop to literally the gucci campaign recently right so take us back to cambridge university this is mid-60s yeah, mid late sixties. Yeah, yeah. That that's really where all the mischief started. That's where all the mischief started. Yeah, because that was where the LSD, you know, yeah, got caught up in the LSD thing. And uh, was LSD like a taboo thing then? Or was it really hard to get? Well, I, I, I let me see. When did I take it first? I didn't, it was around sixty seven, sixty eight, maybe somewhere like that. And it wasn't. Um, I don't even know if it was illegal in England at that moment in time because they didn't really know what they were dealing with. Right. You know? It's like some form of glue that you could, it was just okay. You could put it on stamps or you could just use it regularly. No, LSD is like money. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so LSD was legal. I think it might have been for a little bit and then it was illegal. And uh, But I think that changed a lot of people's lives. I mean, I was caught up in that, you know, I suppose in that hippie thing. I read somewhere that you were studying. You had a degree in medieval and modern languages. 
So no, the medieval stuff was the bad language that I learned. No, it was modern <laughs> languages and literature. Because I was like, what do you do with a degree in medieval modern languages? Work at a Renaissance fair? Like, what do you yeah, do with know. a degree in that? I don't know what I would do <laughs> anyway. I mean, I think my parents thought I'd end up being a lecturer because um, I got a scholarship to Cambridge. Um, wasn't because anybody bought me in there because my parents didn't have any money. Right, but. I was good under pressure, especially in exams, which I think was probably the best early training for photography because I didn't technically know very much about photography when I started. Yeah, so I want to get into that, but the music obviously shaped your life growing yeah. up. And were you listening to the Stones and the Beatles or were you earlier than that? What was your... No, I remember sort of... starting out... What was the, Somebody asked me what the first record I bought was and it was definitely a Buddy Holly record. Okay. So it was a bit... A bit it, that was... Uh, I think... It, He's much bigger in England sure. than he was over here because he actually came to England. Like Elvis, Elvis never came. Yeah, and you had yeah. to almost be like a Stones or a Beatles guy. You kind of had to choose, right? It was Yeah, although which, I, ch I chose everything I could get my hands on. Right, right. This with <laughs> yeah. I remember, in fact, there was a guy, Steve Plagerman, I remember his name. He, he had been at Berkeley and he was studying geology. And the first thing he started talking about was was uh, was the earthquakes. Right. He knew all about the San Andreas Fault and all the rest of it. Jeez, uh, we've come full circle. We've had one this week in L.A. So Exactly, yeah. yes. I've never actually been there when there has been one. I'm scared to go back this week. I'm like, I just bought an earthquake prevention kit or something, a survival kit this week on Amazon. <laughs> what do you it was, uh, it was like you Stay away from L.A. Yeah, it had like an axe in it. And I'm like, what do I do with the axe? I live in an apartment building. Where am I breaking out of with this serious? Axe? I bought it. I did buy oh, it. There yeah. was an axe in it. I bought I don't have it yet because I have yet to go back to L.A. But when I arrive back in L.A., my earthquake survival kit will be there. <sighs> with the axe with the gloves I, I certain things i don't america's need. an amazing country something <laughs> beans man and it's fucking and then it, people can yeah, take they, advantage someone of it. makes a lot of money exactly off of on me. the other hand if the stuff is good and you need it maybe i mean i've never thought of anything like that in my life Neither did i'm I. sure you didn't no i didn't but once you i once you actually survive a big earthquake like i did many years ago in northridge you understand maybe you do need something and and uh this definitely scared the wits out of a lot of people, I think. But anyway, take us back. So he's talking yes, about the earthquake. But we're in New York. <laughs> right. We don't have those here. So regardless. So he's talking about the earthquake. I'm going to shoot. Um, I'm going to shoot Benicio del Toro soon. And he said, where do you want to shoot it, Mick? Um, the way I connected with him was actually here at the Mercer. And, and we talked. He was into rock and roll. Yeah. In fact, they're going to have me interview him. He said, but we're, we're just going to talk about music. I need to talk about this other stuff. Right. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> LA or New York. <laughs> but I said, but you want to do it rock and roll, man. I mean, you got to. I'm sorry. With all due respect to Hollywood, <laughs> and I've made quite a lot of money tripping out there. <laughs> yeah. But not really shooting tons of movie stars. Um, so I know there's plenty of rock and rollers. And my mate's not Motley Crue, of course. <laughs> right. Firmly based out there. We'll talk about that in a moment, for ah, sure. The Motleys. The Motleys. So, all right. So Cambridge University. At but anyway, I said to him, if you, we want rock and roll, it's got to be New York. Right. New York has always been rock and roll. No question. No L.A., L.A., you know, it gets mixed up with that Hollywood stuff. God bless them all. Well, I feel like the, the sort of genesis of the New York rock and roll scene that you kind of helped create definitely emanated out of here with all the acts and Max's Kansas City and whatnot. But yeah. but, uh, but I do want to talk... You're a New Yorker, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm so. not an L.A. guy. No. 
But but so you're at you're at Cambridge. You start talking about this stuff, and at some point you meet Sid Barrett. That is a fact. Yeah, yeah I met Sid. It was um, Sid Barrett it, from Pink Floyd. If you guys don't my, know. well, no one knew who they were. Somebody I knew knew Sid and told me all about him and Pink Floyd and his cats, Pink and Floyd, and these old blues players, and and it was all about Sid. Right in the beginning. The Pink Floyd was like, Sid. it was Sid and right. the rest were a backing band, right, right. effectively. And they've often talked about it, and even Dave Gilmour. And he, it was all in that period. Dave Gilmour was playing. He was in a band called, uh, what was it called? But it, they used to do cover songs. Um, Pink Floyd cover songs? Or? No, no, nothing. Sure. No, da- <laughs> no, no, this was before Pink Floyd. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm this is, I remember in my, whatever my first year was, my first term. And uh, Dave was playing in a cover band. I remember him doing um, Midnight Hour for whatever bloody reason. Huh. I remember Dave Gilmer, beautiful man. Yeah. Because he had the long hair. I mean, he's still a good-looking man. Sure, sure. But he, he, was, uh, he was of the times. Anyway, that, I'm not, I've, Sid was the only one of the Floyd that I worked with. It wasn't, how did you uh, meet him? How did you Sid, guys? Uh, Ah, it was the Cambridge University Christmas party. This would have been in the Christmas of 66, like my first term there. And and did you know who he was or you just walked no, up to him? No, because he wasn't... He wasn't Pink anyone. Floyd were subterranean. Right, right, sure. I mean, yeah. there really was an underground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, today... There's no such thing as underground, yeah. you know. Somebody pisses and it's it's in <laughs> Afghanistan two minutes later. Right. You know, that wasn't like that back right, then. Right, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, got to hang out with him afterwards because the, the people I knew that told me about Pink Floyd, whoever the fuck they were, um, he they, they told me uh, I knew all about Sid. But he was of the times. It was very of the times, and LSD was definitely. I mean, look at Pink Floyd. Yeah, you know? I mean that. That was so even vindictive though, if you actually explore that first Pink Floyd album, it's not just psychedelia. psychedelia. It's a real mixture of stuff. Sure, Roger took that particular space shit and developed it brilliantly, of course. And yeah. then Dave came along, and he, he. Um, but Sib was interesting. Sib was more eclectic. And I'm fat on the second album is a... Uh, I know you want to talk about me. I want to talk about <laughs> Sib Barrett. On the second album, there was uh, a song called Jug Band Blues. And it's hardly... It's awfully considerate of you to think of me here. And I'm most obliged to you for making it clear that I'm not here. You know, <laughs> right. in some ways, right, right. it describes Sid. Yeah. And um, so, had you been into so you were into Buddy Holly, the Beatles, the Stones, and uh, had you and Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan, and had you picked up a kids. camera at that point yet, or no? No, no, okay, no, I hadn't. So, and I read somewhere that sort of the sort of the uh, sort of the beginnings of your you know uh, your you know, your foray into photography it, it involved LSD and Sid Barrett and sort of a trip that you were actually on, right? involved didn't involve Sid. It involved a young lady. Okay. And it involved being in a friend's room who had actually supplied the LSD, who was from a very wealthy family, and he had all the ties for the times, and he also had a camera, which he never used. He wasn't interested, really, but I remember picking it up and playing with it, and then 
taking all these shots that still lurk in the ether because there apparently had been no film in the camera, which I wouldn't have known at the time. I mean, there's a tension. Those of you that don't know anything about film, when you wind on, you get a tension. Right. But obviously I wasn't, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything about photography. What I knew about was this girl on LSD. Right. <laughs> so, so you start taking pictures that but faces was the thing. <laughs> right, right. That so. was the thing that hit me sitting there looking at somebody. And the other thing about the LSD was in England, it wasn't really controlled. It wasn't, it got much more controlled out on the West Coast here. So you didn't know how much you were taking. It was blotting paper <laughs> right. and a dropper. From some geezer who's whacked out on LSD himself. <laughs> so God knows. But I just remember the faces. Or I mean, you could, in one human face, you could see, I saw Seven. the entire history of mankind <laughs> right. and evolution from that, from till the beginning of, till the beginning of time. Let's so, say you saw many distorted faces in that one all face kinds on LSD. Baby, someone's, right. could be a baby, could be, but it, Got in my head. Yeah, yeah. On sure. LSD, things do get in your head. No question. So you're taking pictures of. We were actually taking no pictures because there's right. no camera in the film. But that uh, framed a young lady, right? Yes. So yeah. that's that's sort of the beginnings of your journey into photography. But at one point, did did Sid enter the room? Was he at the party? What happened then? Did no, you get, did he, you get filming the camera? He, I, no, he. Um, we started to talk about things, but no, it was a while before I actually shot him. Okay. Uh, so and, then did and you he s- had moved and he was living in london and uh, and uh, and by then i was too which was 69 so was it about a year then that you worked on your photography after that first encounter with i didn't really with work the- on it i wasn't <laughs> just, really that in- right. what i was interested in was <laughs> altered states right so i was pl- starting to learn about yoga i was starting to learn about more esoteric things i was certain like food deprivation, sleep deprivation, people, you know, I would read about Rimbaud. Now, I was more interested in, in the lunatic poets. And, of course, the ones I liked best were all, you know, drug loonies. With all <laughs> right. due respect, God, <laughs> I took it seriously. But um, like Rimbaud and Baudelaire and, and, and the, uh, the French romantics and the English, the English romantics was the French symbolists and the American... Uh, American uh, beat poets and writers. So all this stuff kind of kind of fed up. into the way your, your pictures kind of. Ended I think up, the yeah. way I saw the rock and rollers. Sure, yeah. It's interesting that you never really studied photography because there's no. there's the lighting, there's the Boring. shutters. Yeah, but I mean, I was, I was <laughs> interested in the thing, right? You know, it's I can tell you just a two second quick funny story because you know about once every two years I'll dabble in taking a picture and. It's funny, Mick, because I really don't know how to use a camera, right? I have no idea. I've got a guy that helps me, and I'm like, hey, listen, I just want to push the button. I know how to, like, I feel like I frame something, and that's probably a lot of it. But, you know, sometimes I, I can't even get the thing to focus, and I'll hand it to him, and I'll say, Hector, make sure this uh, thing's in focus. If only the people knew that I was shooting. Like, they, they don't even know what's going on. But in the beginning, did that ever happen to you? Did you ever, like, take pictures without a focus? It was film. So you couldn't yeah, no, look at what funny. was going on. I don't know what it was. And I suppose that's true of people who hit on something they're meant to be doing. And it certainly wasn't by design. But it somehow worked from the beginning. I mean, they were sharp. They... Just I by ma- about, by accident, almost, right? Because well, you, no, I mean, I was thinking about it, but I wasn't studying. Right. I wasn't looking, I've got to 
No, because I was hitting stuff almost from the minute I picked up a camera. I suppose it was somebody like guitarists. Look at all those guitarists who came out of England. They all went to art college. All, I mean, all those guys. Yeah. Including Bowie, including Sid Barrett. and David Gilmore, and maybe. He didn't know. He didn't yeah. go to art college. He was actually playing in this band. But he, he lived in Cambridge because his father was actually a lecturer there. Right. But Dave had other ideas, obviously. So it was... Um, so at some no, point... Some, it, even some very early stuff of girlfriends or friends, there's... I looked today and I thought, well, there's something a little... In, it's, it's something a little interesting, even early on, but I never thought about it, and I soon forgot the pictures, but I have everything. You were capturing a moment, and, and the lighting, obviously, and the composition was on point, but you didn't even really, you just knew you had something. Yes, I didn't like those early Sid Barrett pictures, those, the colored ones. With the car and the stuff. girl. and yeah, yeah, well, it was about, I didn't have, the film wasn't, you couldn't, you know, it wasn't today you get a, a digital camera. Right, you can exactly. have 64,000, <laughs> God knows what. Right. This was slow color film, and it was daylight, and you had to push it, push process it. Right. It means it, it cooked longer right, right. In for those that know nothing about Well, film. I still don't know about that. But but cooking it in, in the developer, it was staying longer. Okay. And that's why, and also it was using a daylight film because it was a little faster. And all I had was this, bulb like a, a photo flood thing so you would de- would you develop the pictures too uh the black and white side you were, okay. but but the, the ones in the in the apartment were color the ones on the street the ones with the car so i got lucky with sid not only get the naked girl in it right and, and uh also this incredible american car that he never actually drove he swapped that with a guy called mickey finn who wasn't the original bongos player with T-Rex, because when they were Tyrannosaurus Rex, that was Steve Peregrine Took. Oh, right, okay. But by the time it was Hot Love and all the rest of it, it was uh, Mickey Finn. Right, sure. Who actually looked better. Yeah. He had the look. <laughs> right. And he was like a character around town. So you so you, you shoot Sid and but then... But he swapped that. Okay, he swapped He the swapped a mini. Um, no, Sid had a mini that actually worked, and he swapped it... With him, for the, it's actually pink, although it doesn't look like I have a few pictures. So, and it, and I flabbergasted when I found these pictures in more recent years to realize that because it looks dark, right? The, but, but that's what film does, or yeah, yeah it was, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, you start you shoot him, and then all, immediately are you like, I think I'm on to something here. This is a no. No, at, you, no at that I point, never you, thought I was onto anything. Did you have I a regular was too job? Too far in to get out. <laughs> but did you have a regular job after you graduated college? Because oh, obviously, no, it's a, no, you no, didn't, never was, did that. Never did that. No, that was. I remember what my mother saying to me in this photography thing. You got to remember, and you would have a sense of it. You are yeah. not my age, but you're old <laughs> enough. I mean, photography wasn't such a big deal, right? Out there, I mean, and the stuff in the music business was very expendable. Got shot, album cover. We love it. Six months later, it would be forgotten about. So did you have a mentor in the photography world? No. No. Okay. No. So you, that's you how I realized, well, I suppose this is what you're supposed to be doing. Right. You just no one of... showed you. You never went. To, you didn't this. But, of course, if it wasn't for the musicians, that was the important thing. Somebody once said to me, so what, in, what photographers inspired you, Mick, to be? I said, there weren't any. But I think that the... Um, 
the totally unique charisma of a lot of my early subjects, like Sid, like David, like Lou, like Freddie, like Brian Ferry, all these characters did have an influence on my sensibility. I mean, it was there in the Sid Barrett pictures, and I can see it in the early ones of when I was just mucking about. And um, who, who anyway... Was, who was the second uh, subject that you I, shot? Who was it? Was it... Uh, it might have been The Pretty Things when they briefly had a guy called Twink. Okay. Who later went on... <laughs> To form the Pink Fairies. His curly hair and looked a bit like, like the Goat King. Okay. Um, but anyway, he was only there for a while, but he was in. And then there was a band called Air Apparent who had toured America. They were, oh, they were managed by, um, what's his name? Jimi Hendrix's manager, who had been in uh, um, The Animals. Okay. And Eric something? No, Eric Eric had been in there, but he, and he was Jimmy's mate. But okay. But so what was the manager? Anyway, God, I he, that. the same manager, managed Air right. Apparent. I don't know what happened to him. I mean, <laughs> no I one shot knows. them. No, no. It's amazing. <laughs> I've people, oh, mate, you've done this. You go do it. Well, I could show you, and I may talk about it in the documentary. <laughs> like, you know, not everyone was a winner. Here are the ones that didn't make it. Um, so, but then at some point, obviously, you meet Bowie, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him only once. I worked with Amon for probably twelve years. And only got to spend about seven seconds with Bowie, which is quite disappointing. But um, you end up meeting him, and you become like his personal photographer for for many, you know, for many years, and sort of help formulate with him. His look was so incredible; you almost just, you know, no, like, no, David, that look was entirely David's. Yeah, I mean, I helped with the propaganda, if you like, right, right, for right. the time, but but I didn't tell David what to wear. How yeah. to do. no, he he was a guy who could grab little bits and pieces from everywhere. Do you remember your first shoot you did with him? Well, I do remember because the other thing was when you talk about me being a photographer and the initial money for whatever it was. Yeah, what was the money? I made by photography. Um, Oh, Sid, I think I got 25 25 pounds for that cover. And No, I mean, it was no money in it. I mean, there was no money in it. Um, But the first picture of David, I actually was going to... What I'd started to do, and I'd done it with Sid, Sid, even got a little piece in Rolling Stone, and and a couple of other things, and Rory Gallagher, for whom I actually shot three album covers. Um, That was your first professionally published photo, would you say, in Rolling Stone? No, no, no. I can't even remember. I mean, somehow once this thing got going, it got going, and I would do. It was a I lot did. of LSD, so it's hard to remember exactly. Yeah, going but but I wasn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't like Dave. I wasn't like Dave Stewart. God bless. I remember. I remember him telling me uh, one night over dinner, in more recent times, he said I took LSD every day before the Eurythmics oh got rolling. I, I think thought, I would oh, be brain dead. Well, yeah, Dave's an interesting <laughs> character, though. He's a very nice guy, yeah, yeah. But, but he's also. He's, he's got his fingers in all kinds of st- yeah. <laughs> unlikely stuff. So did you form a bond with Bowie that first shoot? Was it like well, undeniable? Well, I tell you, it wasn't like he was there. How many people at the first show? Maybe two or three hundred. It wasn't, you know, we had, he hadn't hit the main line yet. But it was coming on much faster than anyone could ever realize. So you were, at his, you were at his very, very first show he ever did? No, 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 no. No, that's not true. He had been around for a few years. Okay. 
No, he'd been around for several years. Not done much. He'd had actually had a hit, uh, um, hit with Space Oddity okay. the first sure. time round. Sure, sure. And not the video that I made. It, it's it's an, an earlier one. There's actually two videos of that. One made in 69 and the one I made in 72. But um, he, I was there to interview him. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So yes. not even to shoot Inter- him. No, to do both. To do both. Okay. The thing is I connected with a couple of situations and they could save money if they had someone who could go in and not only nowadays you get that a lot more, but you didn't really get it that much yeah. back then. I happened because I got my degree for whatever the <laughs> mischief I've been up to when I was supposed to be studying. Um, you were studying you were studying medieval and modern languages. No, it wasn't nothing medieval. <laughs> I'm gonna quote you on that. No, no, I had nothing to do with medieval languages. That's Wikipedia for you. I don't know. Is it never accurate? Say, is it ever say accurate? That? It does say that. I definitely medieval. Medieval and modern languages. Well it sounds kind of cool. It sounds like a yeah, Renaissance I'll fair job, right? Alone, yeah. Think, why yeah. not? Don't change if it ain't broken. <laughs> um, so so you, you you meet him, you interview him and you shoot him. Yes, and, and, did you and, con- and I interviewed him several times. The great thing is that I do still have one of the tapes that we must have made for for uh, just after the release of Starman, just before Amazing. Ziggy Stardust. In fact, now people are wanting it, but we do talk about sexuality in there. Wow. I mean, two young Londoners talking about bisexuality. Right. But that I don't give out to anybody. That's <laughs> right. no fucking business. Right. You know, um, so you develop a friendship the with other him. Stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. It, well, because I would go to gigs. I think part of the secret of it, besides the fact that we were from similarish backgrounds, I mean, it wasn't that except for academically. I mean, God bless David Bowie. It, he, I was highly educated academically, and he wasn't, but he knew. Shit, he was amazingly self-educated man. He was worldly. He would call me up when he got to know me, and um, he said, "So Schopenhauer," and I'd be going. He says, "And he would always assume because I went to Cambridge, I must have studied everything." I had to say, "David, hang on a minute. I mean, I actually haven't read any Schopenhauer. I know who he is, of course. So, but David was like that. That's funny. He just absorbed everything. He was brighter." than anybody I ever knew at Cambridge. Mind you, I might have been hanging around with the layabouts and lunatics, <laughs> right. so maybe that, that had something to do with it. Um, and did you start to see this whole sort of London scene start to happen at that point? Well, it was, was happening around me. Okay. People say, oh, you did this. I said, well, I don't know. I was interacting. I was very tuned to the times. I mean, what was that? I had started to do yoga. I mean, You still do it to this day. Don't oh you? yeah, yeah. I did my ten-minute headstand this morning. Yeah, and then my career. I do fundamentally Kundalini yoga, but mixed in with a little Athia. Yeah, yeah, that's got me through a lot of crises. It actually did the twenty-year cocaine, and it was not, you know, it was like a raging snowstorm. But it, it <laughs> was at that time in the music business, and it was like from seventy-six to ninety-six, I really didn't get on board. Um, I'm bored with that. Well, I don't know, 76 to 96, yeah. And and all the cigarettes. Right, of course. I did, I've never seen you smoke a cigarette. No, I never smoked. In fact, I have, as you know... It's the best uh, thing you never did. Yeah, as you know, I moved to L.A. a couple of years ago. I actually do yoga, which I was going to sidebar to tell you in L.A. because they have everything's a little bit... Uh, 
ethereal. Everyone uses CBD. Yeah, the hippies. The, the hippies, hippies never right? already died then. Did <laughs> right, they? but they have things in LA which you would either appreciate or find to be appalling, like the Queen yoga class, where they only oh, play, they play Queen, Queen music. Or Elton John, or I went to a Genesis one the other day, and I was like, this doesn't really work. Like, I don't right. want to listen to Invisible Touch doing yoga. Just this guy next to me was dancing, and I was like, it's a yoga class. I don't, it's not Yeah, I've heard of my, my wife. <laughs> my wife is actually, she goes to some place near us, and uh, she says sometimes, like, that he's done it, she's, on a David Bowie club. Yeah. Not that she objected. No, that's great. But um, I just don't think Genesis works in yoga. I'm, no, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on Genesis it. Genesis a bit it's serious. Too funky or something. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. But uh, it's, I'm sidebarring. But the I'm Grateful Dead would have gone down a storm. <laughs> yeah. But um, so you, you form this friendship with with David, and you kind of become his guy for many years. And so, well, it wasn't so many years, but but uh, but it was enough uh, to formulate a lot of the iconic imagery that exists. Yeah. Well, from, yeah. You know? Not the only one, but but a, a lot. lot. A lot of it. I got bulk. (laughs) So So I want to talk about my favorite picture of all time because as I mentioned to you uh, quite a few times when I first gave your introduction, my entire wall is my my most favorite photo that you've ever done is David Bowie and Mick Ronson on a train in London eating peas. Not in London. On the way from Paddington Station to uh, Aberdeen. Okay, well, I wouldn't even know that from looking at the photo, but tell me the story no, no, behind that could, photo. No, I'm just giving you back. Yeah, no, I, could, I, I need it to was know the, the big. He'd done the launch gig of the last tour. Um, done that at Wembley Pool, which was his biggest um, his biggest audience today, and that that could have been like a 15,000. It wasn't like Wembley Stadium. And he's wearing full regalia. He's got the yeah. hair. He's got the outfit on. It's like... I'm sure the other people on the train were like, "Who's this?" Guy? Oh, well, you know? no, because somehow blocked off a cab. Oh, it was a it was a private yeah, you car. You can okay. see okay. people, but they're all part of the of the team. Okay, but he uh, but he he never would fly, David. But it was like you guys were using public transport, but which I find so yeah. bizarre. It's like, there wasn't uh, that much. Mo- you got to remember that <laughs> this was David was starting to generate money but it's the music business Tate is a big lag right before the royalty sure, sure, sure. so it was still being done on smoke and mirrors and a shoestring that whole Ziggy Stardust thing I mean he, he I started to see him as a bit like a magician like that summer of 72 you have first Mark the Hooper because it was all the young dudes that launched in a, in a way quickly followed by David's song single Starman, and then of course the album came a little bit later, and it was you know. And so, what did you think of that? The first time you saw him as Ziggy Stardust, were you like, uh, this "Well, is... I found him very hypnotic." And yeah. I, I think I said somebody was talking to me about. It. I said, "I think in a way he he hypnotized me." Plus, he was super bright, mm. uh, and we could talk a lot. And I think the other thing was he wasn't used to photographers that were conversant with stuff that he wanted to talk about, whereas. Because of my education. Um, so did he start to sort of request you on a lot of his album covers and shoots? It, really, it was much looser those okay. times. Much looser. So there was none of that. I mean, it was like, it how was, much no, do I get paid? I, I'll, I, it I'll, was, yeah, okay. They flew me to America and they flew me to some places. Mind you, they would fly me places and pay all the expenses. I'm not, nothing to do with David, his manager. And, they would pay you uh, in not Haddock? Pay me, not really pay me for pictures. Right. Um, I said they pay you in a haddock and fish and chips and whatnot. Right. It was, yeah, at least it David was... helped, the David connection helped with the girls and the drugs. So it was right. at least that. Right. <laughs> it was some sort of... Uh... Yes, but that was the main reason for being there anyway. Right. <laughs> 
So the story behind the pictures on the train, they, they were actually eating dinner or lunch or whatever. They were having lunch. Having I've lunch. got another shot, which is also in the, that um, uh, the Tashin book, The Rise of David Bowie. It still sells incredibly well. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. book. And uh, amazing production. Yeah. Tashin and and how has the business of photography changed mm. for you, Mick? Mm. Because obviously, 2019, the internet, which some love and some hate and uh you know i look at it just as a marketing tool but i think if you're into marketing it is a very powerful tool obviously so how has sort of the business of photography and your photography has changed obviously you have a ton of gallery shows i know that you just had a queen gallery show in mexico did huge. you not yeah, huge mexico city yeah and i imagine that the Fred same Mercury. place i had a bow bowie one there last year yeah these are touring now that that's um yeah these things get a life of their bloody own yes yeah, so I, mean, I get a bit more money when yeah. it goes to another location but um how, how it, has the business of photography sort of changed for you now it took me years to learn the business of rock photography <laughs> right. and by then it had all changed <laughs> right and, but at least i had learned the art of protecting my copyright sure because it's you know i mean you see I'd probably because it's the easiest one to reproduce and mm. the famous, but people take right liberties with my transformer picture. I'm sure. I mean, that gets bootleg. It's a bit like that Che Guevara shot, right? Where it looked yeah. black and white, yeah. And Lou Reed transformer for those of you who don't know. Yes, yeah. Yo, if you don't know that album, you should. Yeah. Co-produced by David Bowie and Mick Ronson, the Definitely. guitar player, and of course the blonde boy. In the picture yeah, of them on the train, right, right, no question. So, so the business has changed. Mm. Uh, it, it's all you know. Back then, for you, when you first started making money with it, did you sort of see this as a career path, or did you just decide? Hey, you just always I went. I don't you, think so. You always just went with stuff. People weren't really thinking like that because there really was an out. That whole hippie underground thing was an outside culture. Now you know we know it's way. It's like. <laughs> fertilize the mainstream culture right, but, right um back then it was like a rebel thing we all thought we were jack the lad you yeah know? i mean at the uh and and there was a lot of changes going obviously the sexual thing was the the gay thing and we the, can talk about yeah. freddie mercury obviously was my next yes. question to you like when did you it's meet freddie a lot of bisexuality. Right, it's, a, it's a great around. segue. Great segue. Yes. Uh, when, when did you meet Freddie? When did you sort of discover Queen? When did you start shooting them? For those of you who don't know, once again, Mick shot the most iconic Queen photo of all time. The We Are the Champions sort of. Was that the album cover or is this the you know photo what? for the them? The thing was, it was actually the album cover of the Queen 2 album. Queen 2. They were not that known there. And then they copied it for Bohemian Rhapsody video. And, of course, they've... This... That shot at the moment, I'm caught in an interesting situation because because um, the potential. I mean, one, I sell a bunch of prints anyway. Sure. In fact, John Varvatis just bought a sixty forty of the Queen two cover for his oh, new nice. store in Russia. Um, Another uh, upcoming guest on the show, I believe, John Barbados. Yeah, he's very cool. Yeah, we love John. Yeah, you have you, you yeah. know John. I know him well. I love him. He's he's, he's uh, he knows more about music than I do, and I'm a musician. He's like the keyboard player in Procol Harum. Was like, how do you know that? Like, he knows such <laughs> no, he random does. information that you're he like, does. this is crazy. But um, but, but anyway, so- interesting enough to bring it. Not that we're trying to tie a knot in it. Yeah, yeah is that John used one of my. Sid Barrett pictures from 69, the black and white ones, in the street for the cover of his book, which oh, right. is 
rocking fashion or right, right. whatever it is. Mm. Um, so it goes to show you that some things... Never but said right. he, he said, yeah, but nobody was ever more stylish or perfectly that look. But that was in just because 69. Yeah, no was, question. Uh, so where did you meet Freddie? Where did you meet Queen? How did that all um, come about? The guy that co-produced David's albums then, because for whatever reason, mostly to do with T-Rex, he wasn't working with Tony Visconti. Tony was working with T-Rex, and I don't think it had come from David. But I think Mark got a little bit ratty when his star started to fall. Mm. And David's, because they were friends. Right, right. Um, I, I mean, later on, I think they all got s- sorted out. But at that moment in time, it was Ken Scott was co-producing with David. In fact, his head, back of his head, is in that shot of David and Mick on the train. Oh, is it back, really? You can see it. It's That's a funny. pattern thing. Longish year. Anyway, yeah. that was Ken Scott. Very yeah. nice man. He, those, all of that stuff was produced at Trident Studios, right in the middle of Soho. Mm. I mean, you couldn't get any hipper than them at that moment. And they, David produced um, Transformer there. Uh, the Lou Reed album, which you should all go buy. Mott the Hoople, all the young dudes. Obviously, several of Bowie ones, of his ones were done there. Anyway, um, they also had a management company. And they, I think they had three guys, uh, three acts. I even shot Eugene Wallace. I never knew what happened to him, but that was one of the other acts. But Queen. Now, Freddie obviously um, had been checking out Bowie, Bowie and Lou Reed, that whole bisexual thing, right. colourful, delude, um, degenerate stuff with a little bit of Warhol splashed in on the top. Yeah. That was um that got his imagination. He wanted to meet. Wanted me to meet them and talk about doing a publicity session for the first album, which hadn't got much traction. And they wanted to get a bit of attention. They were mixed the flavour of the moment, the glam photographer. And um and then to do an album cover for Queen too. And there's a whole story there, which you know I often have to tell. Well, you definitely knew lighting or something, because that picture. I, you know what I had? There's no way that he. I had no, and I had some. They were. They had only been in the studio once before, and that was in the same studio shooting with me. That's where those topless pictures came from. Oh right. And um, but um, anyway, I met the band there. They played me Queen too. And, you know, later I realized just as well you loved it, Mick, because they wouldn't have worked with you. So they wanted to hear my reaction. I said, oh, man, it's like Ziggy Stardust meets Led Zeppelin. <laughs> they loved that. That yeah. was immediate. Anyway. So did you realize that it had the potential to be as big as it became? Well, I wasn't. Freddie certainly did. Yeah. Uh, I generally, other than John, who was very quiet, they were... Um, uh, they were quite confident, even yeah. though they hadn't had any real success. Um, Did you think Freddie was a star when you first met him, or you? Well, thought- it was he was, you know, uh, had been around certain characters. So it was not just the rockers, but other other people around sure. town in that very that little Chelsea Old Court nexus where um, I remember Storm Thorgerson lived around there too, the hypnosis guy and Poe. Uh, um, so there was a little creative energy riding around. Um, anyway, I know David loves Sid. 
So that was one of our first big connections. And I lo- already loved the Velvet. I was very hip. The Stooges and the Velvet Underground, even though there hadn't been any giveaway hardly any records between them. <laughs> right. So Isn't that it amazing? Moment. It's amazing when you look know, back at the band's first... Fucking uh, ridiculous. Yes. Lack of success sometimes and how huge they become. But uh, so that's amazing. So you shoot you shoot this Queen Two album cover, and as I mentioned, you didn't know lighting, but yet the picture definitely looks like you knew. What, what I was did going was uh, there was a picture of Marlena Dietrich, a tale often told, and a shot often acknowledged. Now, rarely in my life have I been inspired directly a partic- by a particular picture, but this case, they what, what should we do for the album cover? It's got to have a black thing and a white thing. And, of course, it did, you know, the outside and the inside. Yeah. Um, but I didn't – I wasn't sure, really. Uh, but I saw this picture. A friend of mine called John Cabal. And even though he died many years ago, there is the John Cabal collection out there that you can lease pictures from. He has all these old Hollywood stills mm. that were thrown away by the studios in the 60s because they were stupid. Um, they really were. And if you pick up something – out of rubbish, yeah. you own it. Right. And there's fucking pet prints <laughs> and five, four by five negatives. By the time I got to know him, by, the, by that time, people was, had started to pick up that these were valuable, but he already had them. Anyway, I think he'd just done a, a book and that was on the cover. And, to, uh, and he, gave me, he gave me a print, but that was in exchange for me taking some headshots of him for for the book in fact um so you were inspired by that photo well, then, so. i could see something and maybe <laughs> it was hanging around with freddie and very uh anyway so you referenced it let's say I, I showed it to him yeah and uh he got very excited i don't, I don't know if it was the picture or the <laughs> thought of maybe being marlena ditch <laughs> right. it could have been either that one out. <laughs> So, um, and he, sh- I, I tell you what, we went up to, around that time, went up, to, they were supporting Mark the Hoople. They were on tour and they were playing in Manchester. So I went up there, I shot both of them performing and then I, um, and then we showed it to the band. They were a little bit, I think because they hadn't had the success they'd hoped from that first album and because of what little they'd had had been a bit snidey. Because... Mm. People hadn't heard. I mean, they were original. Yeah. And, and, it's and sometimes too original, right? Because if you watch the at movie. At that moment. Yeah. Not for long, though. I love the scene uh, in the in the movie when they bring uh, Bohemian Rhapsody to the label and they're like, this oh, the is label. trash. And we've kinda, <laughs> it's too long. Yeah, it's it too was long, too right? long. They won't play them that long on the radio. But if you think about it, and even to this day, there is nothing that has ever been created like that musically. It's like opera meets rock meets God knows what. And... and People, it was so foreign. It's even foreign now when I hear. It. I'm like, how did they write this song? Oh, mamma mia, mamma mia. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> where? How do you come up with something like that? But so I, I gotta hear because well, Freddie was a, was he, Freddie was a great songwriter. Yeah, no question, was, no question. I mean, you have so many great stories. So I do want to ask you, like, do you have a favorite Queen story, Freddie story? Because I feel oh, like, well, like I feel like, like you have about fifteen of them. But but I would maybe love... the the cutest and the campest is going for tea with Freddie at the plaza here in New York. And, uh, oh, we've got to go for tea, Mick. Let's go to the plaza. And I was living here. and he This was like, what year was this? Uh, when would this have been? This this would have been, yes, yeah, this, 
This would have been in the 80s. Okay. So they were already successful. Oh, yeah. No, I think I went to see them at Madison Square Garden. It wasn't quite... I mean, they destroyed stadiums in South America and places. But anyway, it was still a big deal, especially at that moment. And uh, we've got to go for tea at the plaza. I thought... Fuck it, I've had sex at the plaza, but I've never had tea at the plaza. <laughs> it's only $80. So, so. <laughs> so, and then watching him cruise the waiters mm, was yeah. very funny. <laughs> I mean, he was well known by then, but he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, he was... Um, Maybe not an icon, but he was no, a well-known well, singer. No, well, because the in the game, it was still a little bit early. Right, sure. It would have been like talking about David, you know, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, but um, you're having tea with him. Having tea with him. But this one guy, he was a pretty young guy, did not know how, not that Freddie said anything vulgar or anything overt, but was obviously gay. And, uh, and he didn't know how to handle, when he knew who Freddie was, he didn't know how to handle Freddie's come on, which was really just playful. wasn't right, right. necessarily meant to lead anywhere at all. <laughs> I mean, he was having tea with me. Yeah. So, um, but the guys react. Well, no, he just, the, the whole tray went over. It was, uh, <laughs> but Freddie, the fabulous thing with Freddie was he got down on his knees. He apologized, got down on his knees and, and actually helped pick okay, the stuff amazing. up. Yeah, he was never above it. Yeah. Do you, when you watch that movie, obviously, I have to ask you, I mean, how accurate a portrayal of, of their life and his life do you think that is? Is it uh, uh, the band was involved? So I feel like there's some well, look, comfort level knowing that they kind of exactly. Yeah, of course, they the knew him for a long time. Yeah. But what do you think when you watch it? You knew him for, well, quite I, well. I tell you, I've only seen very early and I've seen the later stuff. It was watching it a bit with my wife. Mm. Now I've got to see, because now we're talking to Remy Malik about doing some pictures. Yeah. But yeah. he's been in Bonding It in London. Oh, uh, right. James Bond Sure, movie. sure. And, um, but, um, yeah, I knew him, like in New York, I knew him socially when he'd pop in. So did it seem like when you watched the movie it was somewhat well, accurate think, from what you remember? I, I think he did a good job. Yeah. I think, because that's not, even though he doesn't really look like Freddie, because yeah. I know Freddie's very... But he, he worked it yeah. so that he gives that a great impression of it. Um, Freddie, uh, I think it's fair enough. But but people who complain about these things, you know, you get a few old queens complaining it's not gay enough. But right. not gay enough for most people. <laughs> but uh, but but you go, but but this is a, a movie. It's not a documentary. Right. Right. There's plenty of documentaries, some of which I'm in, sure. out there on Freddie. And so if you want to hear about other stuff, watch the documentaries. Right. This is, I, and, I mean, they rounded it out. And Mary, yeah. whom I knew, and in fact, I took the best pictures of the turban together. And it was a, who's, I haven't seen her in a, in a lot of years now, but I remember going out and hanging out at that amazing house in the middle of London a few years after he died. And, uh, and she had, obviously he had, come leaping out of the closet in the 70s. Right. It is for those of us, even though he wasn't officially publicly stated gay until just before You he knew, died. everyone knew. Well, I mean, knew from the beginning. Yeah. But, but that was kind of, 
the flavour of the period. He was, right. So he was bisexual. Right, quite, no question. You yeah. know, who, who cares? So, you know, he's an artist. Yeah, no question. And that time was very prolific. I mean, there were so many great bands that were mm-hmm. coming out of that era. I mean, you obviously went on to shoot so many bands from that era. Uh, that, some, David loved Roxy Music. He did. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because then you went on to shoot. Obviously, later on, you shot people like Motley Crue and... You know, that, was, that was in the 80s. In the yeah. 80s, yeah. So so from the 70s, obviously, a lot of those iconic photos exist. And, and you know, it's David Bowie, it's Queen, it's Sid Barrett, it's Lou Reed, Iggy it's, Pop. Are there any of them that really stand out in your head? Like, my favorite photos from this era were... Because, I mean, I know what I owned. I, I From you, I own, obviously, the Iggy Pop, the Lou Reed, the David Bowie. Um, but are there certain ones that stick out in your memory? Like, these were my favorite times, my favorite subjects to shoot. It's incredible when you shoot people, and the little I've dabbled in it... You know, it's just about having charisma. And if you have that charisma, then sometimes you can capture a great photo. You don't have to be the best looking, you, you know. But no, a lot you, of photographers <laughs> get their assistants to do it. Yeah, the totally. Time. Now photographers don't even shoot when pictures. When I shot sometimes. Gucci, in fact, you know, I had about four assistants along and, and they were all dealing with all the technical stuff. It's not that I can it's not complicated. No. Oh, with photography, it isn't. It's capturing a moment, right? Well, it's, all, it's also with the lighting. It's just like, I remember... When I started to get interesting in other photographers, there was a guy, uh, it was, so it was George Harrell, was one who I met, was an old Hollywood photographer. Um, and what was this guy's name? I just remember, a very famous Vogue photographer of really the, the like 30s. David foot. Bailey? No, no, no. It's oh, well much earlier. David much earlier. Bailey. Oh, well, there was... Uh, but he, he, what he used to say was, well, he didn't understand, and he was saying this in the 70s, modern photographers who are making it all complicated. He said, I, I mostly just have one light and move it about till I see what I like. And I mm. thought, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Very simple model. So you never, you never looked at Helmut Newton or, or any of the yeah, other Yeah, but he, his, his best photography wasn't complicated with the light. In fact, his, you know, those tarts, rich tarts running around with their scanties on is all right. <laughs> right. But that never impressed me. I think you see some of my stuff, which I don't necessarily publish. But that's, I the, thought, that's the book that'll never come out. Oh, well, <laughs> this be a lot. But, but, um, but who, I can care less. You know, yeah. it didn't excite me. I, and I don't mean pictures exciting me sexually. I just mean exciting my brain. Creativity. You know? Yeah, so uh, but when I went to his museum in um, in uh, Berlin, someone somehow knew the people that ran it, and they got me in to have a look. And I realised all this different stuff he'd shot, and then I st- I admired him much more. Yeah, he sh- his body of work was pretty. Vast. It was fucking it was huge. Yeah, huge. Most he's people so- think of the birds running around without <laughs> right. any clothing. Go jolly hockey sticks, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so that era obviously is a, a pretty monumental era for you. And then the eighties—is it—is it a blur to you? Is it? It was Motley well, Crue. Well, I, I was that snowstorm yeah. that, that caught me up, and it, quote, well, unquote, I wasn't the only one. Quote but. unquote the snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you have seen shot, and they got out. I mean, no, I'm not showing any pictures of people doing drugs. I yeah. won't do that. Um, although they faked one of me having a snort. But that was a complete fake. I wouldn't have the re- but what I do have is a load of cocaine still lives. Because a certain period in the early eighties, I mean, I did stuff for High Times before they were a marijuana magazine. Yeah, and uh, and then cra- I played around with. It. So I've got this big collection of cocaine still lives. <laughs> so that's what I do have. Is, that, from- is that ever going to see the light of day? Or? 
It's well, it, it was in the documentary. Oh, was, okay. There yeah. was a whole series of stuff, and um, well, I'm talking about a new book. I'm going to call it Shot, but having everything, including the photo artwork. I mean, I've got including the kabuki stuff. Uh, I shot over the years, including some of the erotic stuff, but nothing pornographic. Yeah. How many books have I've you done? I've got a twenty-six-year-old daughter. <laughs> right. you know. How many books I, I have know, you done? It's hard. There's a lot. I mean, there's there's variations and hardback and softback. I mean, there's like glam, which was also been called blood and glitter. There's three versions of raw power with different covers. Same book basically. There's Bowie Moon Age Daydream, the first one we did together. And two versions, and and then the Tashin one, and then the Lou Reed Transformer Limited Edition, the Queen Limited, and the Sid Barrett and the Queen Commercial, and the Blondie. I don't know, and the Kabuki. Right, right. There's two variations yeah. on that. So, um, and I guess all the Queen, um, the Queen sort of uh, attention has been great for your photography lately. Yeah, lately, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was always a certain amount of interest, but this movie has shifted the gears a bit more. Yeah. And um, I'm quite certain there'll be a Bowie documentary now because these movies obviously are taking. Oh, they are doing. They're doing. No, no, they. Well, I know people have asked me to do so, but I I don't want to direct a documentary. (laughs) It's too time. Not a documentary, but a biopic. You know, in the same way they Rocket Man and whatnot. But I feel like that's been very. People wanted him to do Ziggy Stardust on Broadway. People wanted him to do a Ziggy Stardust cartoon. Bowie was very resistant to, not that he didn't like money. Not that we don't all like money. Sure. I mean, in in the early days, that was the last thing on our minds, as long as you could get by. Certain other things, you know, that as one gets out, what a sex is, it's not that it's unimportant. Yeah. But it's not as funny for our day job at this stage of the game. Um, um, My wife is very relieved about that. Um, And so... I don't know. I don't even know people, and you could see even in the documentary, I, I, I don't know how this all happened. It certainly wasn't by planning, design. It's had its ups and downs. I was broke for 15 years. I mean, it's a different life today. So I guess if we had to give some advice to kids that wanted to get in don't, photography, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, and don't, don't, don't study photography, no, right? No, definitely not. Well, look yeah. at all the musicians. I mean, John Lennon never studied music. Yeah. David didn't. Sid didn't. Lelton John was a rare one. Keith Richards didn't. Pete Townsend didn't. So it was like being one of the mu- one of the musicians. Didn't they? Didn't it? Somehow, if it's coming out interesting early on. I didn't really it. know that that was... I always say, well, my pictures speak louder than my words because some people, well, you should have been a writer. But I couldn't have been a writer full-time. I, I write things for my books and I've done a few interviews, but I couldn't sit down that long enough yeah. to do anything. I mean, people want me to work on, on a movie script about a photographer and about certain things. And if I can, And people want also to do a graphic novel inspired by shots. Mm, I mean, I'm open to all of it. it yeah. it's, well, it's not, I don't, it hasn't have to be this, or it doesn't have to be that, but it was always like that. Well, fast forward now, right? Because then, you know, the 80s are a blur, they're the well, Joan snowstorm. Jett, Joan Jett. Jett, I love rock and roll. And then the, the 90s and up until now, you've obviously shot, you know, obviously Lady Gaga, Pharrell, you know, the Black Keys. There's a whole generation Q-tip. of things. Kate yeah, Moss? Yeah, not, not, not a Kate Moss. I shot, I shot Bowie in 2002. Last time I 
shot him. And, of course, he didn't perform much longer. Then that whole thing hits him. Well, does and, anybody uh, that you shoot now inspire you and you think is that iconic as the photography that you did back in the 70s where you're like, you know, Lady Gaga is going to go on to become no, the David she, Bowie of this generation. She, I think we've got it on tape. She knew she... I, I didn't know. <laughs> she was telling me about how she was going to be a big star soon. She had been writing songs. She'd written a couple of hits for a couple of people. So she wasn't, um, but, you know, her name. And, of course, Lady Gaga, she always says um, that um, Radio Gaga. Yeah. That was the title, which was a Queen title. Yeah, yeah. A no Roger question. Taylor one, no less. And, um, but you can't, you, you, I think maybe you can say things about intuition. Uh, and maybe I was very intuitive, maybe because all the, yoga and then i'd mix up the yoga with the drugs and, and the massages <laughs> and so you could get very but what i was interested in in from the early days was this altered states thing mm. and getting in and how i would read about all these wild famous crazy poets and artists who would get into an altered state in other words they'd be out of their mind in a sense and maybe it was like with a rainbow he He's his whole his famous a saison on unfair season in hell, um, and he hadn't. I don't think he slept in a week. He hardly eaten in a week, and he'd been chomping on opium, <laughs> and out this thing came. Mm. And he would say he was what little there is known of him because he stopped doing that about the age of twenty. Um, well, these days you're really healthy. Um, you know, it's it's all coffee, yoga, and uh, well, even uh, the coffee is is measured. I don't right, right. Uh, but, but I do drink it because shooting. Yeah, but you're incredibly healthy. We should say that now, right? So, well, so I had a kidney transplant six years ago. Yeah. How do you feel? You feel great now. You feel like you're in... at times. I feel fabulous. I just yeah. have to keep my eye on things, and I have to take certain medication. And but I think because of my routine that I'm able to keep, even under pressure, I'm able to, because I will still get up in the morning and do a meditation and a headstand and, and my career before I do anything. And then if it's, if I'm, I want to, I like massages. I hadn't had one for a week until yesterday. And I've, in spite of the yoga and everything, I was starting to feel a bit like a junkie, you mm. know, that I need certain of these things and uh, so I had to get another one today and tomorrow not only will I get massage <laughs> I'm going to get acupuncture oh, I did that yesterday get... it was so painful I don't think oh, I, I love it really did uh, they like, twist the needle in you Cause well I, whatever I they fucking do man, I, don't I, don't, I don't know how anyone can enjoy that I love it Let well like, maybe you've got to go to the right person oh, I don't know. but she also cracks me and she also does cupping oh, okay. so I get this whole array everything about, you that's know, your high these days the cupping and me. the acupuncture and wow. everything is, is there a state of rock and roll at the moment to you Mick well it, it's hard to say and, I, and it's a different time for me it's like when I work with younger people obviously those early days we were all around the same age and there wasn't much money around for anything well that maybe there's a similarity I know when the younger acts want me to work with them some I, I can you know okay you know, you don't have to get make money on every shoot. But um, and if it's people like my friend Jesse Malin, for instance, or the guy from Go Go Bildello, both of whom I know and like, of course I'll cut them favors. Sure, you know, because sure. um, but they're not necessarily new new acts. I mean, no, do, they're yeah. not. There is a very new. He's twenty one. I shouldn't really use his name yet, 
but he is very talented and we had this meeting he's very excited about shooting it's just getting the record labels to cough up enough money to make it worth my while and then you know fencing with who owns the pictures about well that's how it, the business is I don't like that. yeah no even though whatever i take so they will never be worth what i've got in the bankers right sure work. sure but and now i won't there's... be around that many another 40 years <laughs> right. so let's hope let's hope but you know there's tame impala there's Greta von Fleet, there's the Struts. Ah, the Greta the, von Fleet, very yeah. good. And the Struts, the yeah, 19, so there the is some good stuff. There's some good stuff, but I, I don't know if there will ever be a rock and roll scene again. I hope so. I hope so for for this generation. There's a lot but, of other stuff going on. Yeah, no question. There's country, there's EDM, hip-hop is huge. And the girls. Thing. I mean, who are, the, who are the biggest people in rock and roll? It's like the girls, you know, yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift. And well, what's that? You shot Lana well, not long ago, right? How was, how yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. We, great we, shoot we with toured her. with Lana. How was that experience for you? I didn't tour with her. No, no, I toured with her. Oh, right. <laughs> with okay. Courtney. But no, like, she, I had fun with her. <laughs> but yeah, because people were saying, you know, she's. Mm-mm, no, I like her. Whatever. Like her. She's great. She was fine with me. Because you actually did, a lot of people don't know, but a lot of your early iconic photos were actually in the live setting, right? So like the Lou Reed uh, photo, were, yeah. the Iggy Pop photo. So you don't do any more of the live shooting. Obviously. I did That's for fun. a while when I was shooting for the W. I was doing thing where I, I do portrait thing in the off and shoot in the evening. But I'm not going to show up at some fucking gig and just shoot. No, right, right. One is... I mean, that's not the reason for not doing it, but what are the value of those pictures? Right, you know, right, they're, sure, they're, sure. People out there with their telephones. <laughs> right. So, uh, and if I go out, like, I'm traveling with a telephone like everybody <laughs> right. else. I'm not taking, if you want to see the cameras, <laughs> put some cash on the table <laughs> right. or be my pal, <laughs> right, exactly. one or the other. Are you, uh, are you shooting on film still, or do you shoot no. digital, only digital? Oh, no, I, I have these conversations with people at times. Some people are a little bit, you know. Yeah, some people are real purists. Film still, man. Right. right, people are but purists. What's the about point? It. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that the pictures my of mine that are worth whatever that people offer me all this money for that there is a true master because there's no everything's really the same. You shoot it. It's not like anything changes when you have it reproduced. Or right, you, sure. you know, it's all the same stuff. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I was sh- shooting both until a few years. But not in even Gucci. They said, well, maybe we should shoot on film. But then there were these characters, Italian characters in some of the pictures. And I said, you know, it's going to get too complicated. I barely see the difference. I've done mixed. In- oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to get... So-, so what they eventually did was bought in a guy from London, very nice guy, locked up the whole day <laughs> on this... Uh, Getting fed he did stuff. Film. Well, no, it wasn't that. He had what they told me, which blew me away, was he had won awards for making digital look like film. Interesting. Wow. Well, they, crazy. you know, the money they spend, you <laughs> right? They it. don't care. But I never heard of that. <laughs> no, I never heard of that either. A very nice guy. He was out of London, and uh, and I had fun with him. But do you ever shoot a job on film, and then it, the, you got the pictures back, and they were like not good, or they didn't come mm. out, or that's always was my well, concern. Could that happen? It could happen. It could very early on uh, uh, when I had just started using the Hasselblad. Um, and the guy I was shooting was a guy called Phil Linnett. Oh, of course, Thin, of Thin Lizzy. I know who that is. I'm a musician. Yeah, exactly. 
Yes, it's not all just the boys are back in right, town right. or jail. One break. of the greatest singers and bands of all time. One of my favorite bands. Fabulous. In yeah. fact, they're making a documentary on them now oh, in right, Ireland, yeah. of course, right. where there's a statue of him in Dublin. Yeah, no question. I mean, Phil is. Uh, I love her. Yeah. I and I, I did about. I probably I certainly did two back covers for him. So you shot them, and the film didn't come out, or it came out. Well, it was out. just him. It was him and this topless young lady for a friend of mine who was the art director of, I think, Club International magazine. What is that? that, that like well, that was a men's risque, magazine. Risque of the magazine. Yeah, I mean, it's so tame by modern <laughs> right. standards. You can, you, you can take it to church with you. <laughs> right. But um, but anyway... Even the name is weird, Club International. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. But, but, they, but they would run a few of my pictures. that They decided they wanted a, a rock and roll thing uh, in the magazine too. And again, that was much more of a big deal uh, they wanted an entertainment whatever it was so i got to do some bits and pieces for them but anyway um phil yes i pictures came back and they had been loaded the wrong way round, and uh, you know i learned a big lesson but phil i got to know we got on with and no problem we did another shoot um with the same young lady she was quite happy to do it and the pictures came out fabulous but i the first one it was the film was just loaded the wrong way around <laughs> it's crazy and so. i can't blame anybody because i did it <laughs> right. i got confused <laughs> so moving 2020 you actually had your own tv show i don't know if everyone knows that but on the oh, record yeah. with mick rock uh you had a yes. lot of your own guests on so you were kind of sitting where i'm sitting right now did you like doing that did you like interviewing well i tell you kings of leon to patty labelle to whoever yeah. Also, what Josh Groban? Yeah. Also, Mark Ronson. Yeah. No also, what's his name? Uh, also, the um, the Flaming Lips. Right. Wayne. Wayne Kramer. Wayne, who's who's a trip and a half. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Coyd. Wayne, Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne. I said yeah. Wayne Kramer. MC Five. Um, Whom I've also shot. <laughs> right. I've so shot did you Wayne you like being on the other side too? Because obviously you started. I, I don't, I'm happy to do it. Do the it. only thing that bugged me was I. They just had treating it like it was an Anthony Bourdain thing, but shorter. Um, and I was going to go around and visit cities with these bands, performers, and um, I know Nicky Six was going to do it, but he actually got sick at that moment and couldn't do it. But um, anyway, we did a, a... But they wanted me to have a meal with them, and it was a bit like, well, I don't eat until the evenings anyway. Steak and with instead of having me do lectures or or shoot, do a little session or whatever. So to me, it was... It was didn't, didn't make sense. Didn't make sense to me. I think it could have been a lot more fun. No that's question. for sure. Well, everyone should check out the documentary about you, obviously. Oh, Shot. That's a bit more fun. Yeah, yeah. Shot the Psycho-Spiritual Mantra of Rock, directed yeah. by Barney Clay. Barney came up with that, yeah. Which is great. And a great, great movie. Um, 2020, Mick, obviously. It's on Netflix. A, it's on Netflix. So go, go check it out. You have all these exhibitions traveling. You have the Queen one in Mexico. Tell me what's on slate for 2020 in the life of Mick Rock. Uh, oh, Dallas. There's talk of Birmingham at the moment. Not the most exciting place, but nevertheless... Um, going back to Buenos Aires for this Queen exhibition. We, I've got a South American agent that has done big shows down there for me. And uh, I think maybe because they don't have homegrown rock and roll, they love it. In, I mean, mental about Queen. I had press conferences both for Queen exhibition and the Bowie one. And these are huge... Um, and like 150 journalists would show up. Amazing, amazing. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. But they you go know, crazy for rock and roll in South they America. Do. They really like love Marky it. Marky Ramone 
can go down there right. and do and he's like Elvis Ramon, and they love it. Yeah, right. and he, and he's the drummer. So just in case, you yeah, know and he him. wasn't. So like, he wasn't. He was the drummer when when <laughs> I when I shot them for the end of the century yeah. album cover. But he wasn't the original drummer. But he looked the part right. better than Tommy did. Right. <laughs> so you got the exhibitions, obviously the documentary about Milan. We're yeah. talking about. Uh, a couple of more museum exhibitions for next year. I mean, there's always stuff, and then there's this graphic novel, some people talking about a whole other thing to do with this photographer. I mean, and if people want to buy your photos, the best place is where is it? The Morrison Gallery? Is it to your website? Where should well, they go? Well, it depends. You go to Morrison. You. Go I want to you to make the most amount of money. So where well, now you come to me. <laughs> okay, I'll make. A Call bit. me, and I'll put you in touch well, with Nick. Yes, uh, I'll make a bit more money. <laughs> yeah. But 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 they'll be a bunch cheaper. Cool. But, and if not, go to Morrison. They're lovely people, and I sell a lot of stuff through them. Too. Yeah. However you want to do it. Some people like to go to a gallery. Sure, sure. Why not? Well, if not, just DM me, and I'll put you in touch with Mick. And follow Mick on Instagram. Go to his website. You know, I love having you here because you and I, we actually don't get a chance to do this too often. No. Uh, I, I love you, and I don't get to see you that you often. You got any smack? I, I do not. <laughs> oh, you left it out today. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I, it's, I, I, never, know did I never did that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I no, never, that wasn't in my repertoire at all. I had two friends die when I was at Cambridge, right? so I never was interested, but, although I knew plenty of other people. Well, you know, life. my first band that I was in in L.A. was, it was sort of connected to the whole Guns N' Roses, and one of the guys died, and, and there was a lot of that heavy drug use so i never got into it mick i just right. never it wasn't my thing you know i was into like playing music i like being social i like the date but i was not well, into drugs I, tell you, I <laughs> was not i never drank and i didn't do smack yeah i mean i was other stuff but well not, i no. like stuff you know where yeah. you could dance yeah. on the ceiling that was much <laughs> more my i didn't this i People doing smack and they fucking be laying on the floor. So I didn't find that very exciting. <laughs> you are you are more rock and roll than ninety percent of the rock and rollers out there. Maybe ninety five percent. So I always I'm still the, alive. You're still alive. And I'm one still of the, operating. One of the reasons why I connect with you so well. And so yeah, man, everyone go check it. Everything McRock related. This show, as you know, is on iTunes, Spotify, and all other of your podcast resources. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. You to know out that you. very good. Yeah, you know it's all over. It's, yeah, it's all not over just the place. On it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And uh, and this particular show um, with Mick is available everywhere. So go check it out. Check out all things Mick Rock. And uh, I love you, bro. Thank you for coming Fantastic. in. Fantastic. You're the best. This is Lips LA. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denaissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denaissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me 
fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.